the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back. As we head into Hour 3 and as we uh, send you on your way home, um, it is a delight to welcome back in studio our good friend, uh, dear friend John Shattuck, uh, Congressman John Shattuck, represented Arizona's old 4th Congressional District for 16 years. Our nation turns its lonely eyes to you, John. We need you in Congress. We need you there now. We need you to help make sense of everything that seems to be falling apart from Republican leadership in Congress, the Middle East. I mean, this is this this is what was just such political malfeasance, I think, on the part of those who got rid of Speaker McCarthy. In whatever kind of tantrum they threw, they ended up and succeeded in shutting down the only Republican part of our federal government. Uh, and there's vote after vote. That's not going to get us anyone more conservative than him. It looks like it's going the other direction. I was looking up uh, Patrick McHenry's ACU rating, American Conservative Union rating. He's in the 70s. Um, He might be a perfectly fine guy, but he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that can help you keep a hill, much less storm a hill. And I don't know if he will be the consensus guy. But I don't see anything really coming around that's going to be a consensus candidate that's going to be better than McCarthy or Jim Jordan or Steve Scalise, for that matter. So I think we're going to be having a race to the bottom at this point. And I think people are um, in Congress exercising uh, personal uh, motives and personal interests over and against the party's interests and the country's interests. I don't know what we're going to do right now, but it seems to me whatever we're going to do, it's not going to be good. Talk to me. What, 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 what's going to happen in Congress? You were a member of this body for 16 years. I'm now livid with the eight members of the Republican Party who, in my view, betrayed not just the people who voted for them, but uh, the Republican Party, whom they claim to represent, and even the nation. Uh, as a member of Congress, you owe a duty to the people who elected you and an even greater duty to the nation to do your job, to do your work. And it is either known or should be known to every eighth grader who complete, completes a civics course that a legislative body functions based on the majority. Some people might not like that. Um, some people might think that's unfair to the minority. Some people say there ought to be protections for minority rights. And in the Senate, there are. And even in the House, there are. But the functionality of the institution is driven by the majority. Uh, the people in the districts of those eight people entrusted them with the power to run the nation and to set its policy legislatively and to, for them, to have voted to 
unseat the speaker who had been legitimately elected to that position is nothing short of a betrayal by them of their duty to the public, a betrayal of the party whose principles they claim to believe in, uh, and a betrayal of their duty to the nation. I don't even think people can remember why it was done. It's indefensible. Yeah. In theory, what they would say or what they are saying is, well, the single greatest problem facing the nation is overspending. And I can make an argument that they're right on that point. There is no doubt but that a tremendous threat and over time perhaps the greatest threat to the nation is overspending. And it is clear that Democrats love to spend and are whistling past the graveyard. They see no consequences. They don't literally don't give a damn about the consequences over overspending. They don't care, it seems, whatsoever about their children uh, or the burden it's putting on their children and their grandchildren. So I get it. Those eight are right that our overspending and our debt and our deficit are uh, a grave danger that jeopardizes the future of the nation. But they are not the gravest danger. And at no time, no matter what the issue is, you do not betray, abandon, or give up the majority. Um, Those who followed my career know that uh, I was every bit of a rebel as any one of these eight. Um, When my class thought leadership was wrong, we fought them and we confronted them and we made them on many occasions change their policy. And this was a revolutionary government. And we drove the Congress to balance the budget, which it had not done in at least years, if not decades. Um, But we did that with respect. Um, The tool that we had at that time, which appears to now have been taken away, is that we would, and I've talked about this before, bring down a rule. The press didn't know what that meant, but we did. It meant the majority couldn't proceed, and they had to go, and we did go behind closed doors and discuss the issue and resolve it. And that's what we did behind closed doors. But we were lectured and we understood, again, as an eighth grade civics student understands, that legislatures function based on floor votes. And if you were entrusted by the people of your district to be a part of the legislative majority, which these eight were, then you have implicitly a duty uh, to to show respect for your colleagues because you understand it's a team sport. If you don't take advantage of the fact that you are in the majority, then you have no power whatsoever. Ask anybody who's been in the minority. They can't accomplish anything. The majority can give them things. And indeed, that's how the House functions, where the majority says, "Okay, we're going to let some members of the minority uh, fix some problems in their district or pass some policies that they've decided are important. But the truth is the power is in is vested in the party that has the majority. And we were taught and we understood as these eight Republicans, I'm sure, were taught 
Number one, you never give the minority party control of the floor. And if you did, that was a sacred violation of your trust. But worse than that, you would never even think of giving them the majority. And yet, that's what these eight did. Out of personal pique or out of lack of good judgment or out of uh, irresponsible and irrational or irrational conduct, they have given the control of the floor. They have given away the majority. And that is inexcusable. And my view is they should immediately, all eight of them, or at least the seven who followed the lead of Matt Gates, should go to leadership today, not not tomorrow, not next week, today, tell them that they will all eight speak on behalf of the reelection of uh, the past speaker, Mr. McConnell, who was doing his uh, best. McCarthy, yeah, Kevin McCarthy. Right. Kevin McCarthy. I mean, <laughs> that dates me. Uh, Kevin McCarthy, who is doing his best, and they will speak on his behalf and reelect him tonight. And if they owe that as a matter of duty to their constituents who elected them and expected them to maintain not betray the majority, and they owe that to their peers. And one last point, look at what they've done. If you are a part of a majority in a legislative body, which only has power because it is the majority, and you vote with the minority, which these eight did, to take the majority away from your colleagues, you have stabbed your colleagues in the back. But more than that, you have rendered the nation incapable of doing its work, and you have given every remaining member of the initially elected majority the right to vote however she feels or he feels. So right now, um, members from Florida or Nebraska or California can go to the floor, and they don't have to vote for the majority candidate, the candidate selected by the majority of Republicans, they can vote for whoever they damn well please. And the net effect of that is no work gets done. In a legislative body, you cannot be anything but a team player or you don't belong in a team because once you betray the team, you have no power. You know, John, I was thinking we'll take a commercial break and come back, but I was thinking, you know, I was saying you know, if we end up with McHenry, it'll be ending up with someone far less conservative than what we had. You know, that may be a choice that isn't even in grass. We may end up with Hakeem Jeffries. Well, we thing, could, in a certain scenario, end up with the Democratic speaker. Let me take as, a, as a result of the conduct yeah. of the eight. Yeah. That is the real danger we face. Yep. Yeah. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Congressman John Shattuck is my guest. You know. Some of this, too, John, this this absence, this vacuum of leadership in the House of Representatives, a vacuum that was created, didn't exist, but was created, it comes from a level of immaturity, too, it seems to me. Um, we had uh, these temper tantrums from the eight that got rid of McCarthy, but aided, aided and abetted by such nonsensical statements by someone every once in a while I'm inclined to like, and then... Every time he talks me into him, he talks me out of him, and that's Vivek Ramaswamy who did a video saying a little chaos is a good thing. No, it is not. I don't know why a conservative gets away with saying, well, we don't know what will come next, but a little chaos is a good thing. Chaos is not a good thing. We've now gone two weeks without any Republican 
congressional control or leadership or voice of leadership. And we have a conflagration about to take – a conflagration taking place in the Middle East that could widely expand very easily. The defense um, – the uh, foreign minister – excuse me, the foreign minister of Iran said uh, just yesterday that his country will not allow Israel to take any action in Gaza. What the hell does that mean? What does that mean? It could mean anything. And I don't know. It seems to me that we err in not taking these kinds of veiled threats and not so veiled threats seriously. The Middle East, I mean, my gosh, John, there's so much to say about it. First of all, first of all, the media has a lot of blood on their hands. The media stampeding with the story that Israel was responsible for the explosion at a hospital yesterday. Outrageous. 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 Uh, within Outrageous. 10 minutes of the incident, the media is reporting a body count and responsibility <laughs> based, on, based on the propaganda of a terrorist organization. And everyone knows that that terrorist organization's strategy in launching this attack, this brutal a uh, shocking attack by an armed military against completely innocent civilian with the avowed purpose of killing civilians knows that w- one of the their number one goal appears to have been to kill Israelis. Number two uh, seems to have been uh, kidnap uh, civilians, neither of which are accepted under the rules of war. But their third goal was to win the propaganda war by conveying to the world's people that. Israel is an evil place. For that reason alone, you knew that that missile was not an Israeli missile. They would never do that. It would be the singular most stupid thing they could do. And yet, as you point out, the mainstream media immediately judged them as guilty. Uh, and now, apparently, in light of the evidence, they're be- having to pedal backwards. But Well, yeah, to the degree that they're pedaling backwards at all. But, I mean, I think the forest fire has already spread like dry uh, – like uh, through dry grass through the rest of the Middle East. No one in the Middle East outside of Israel has any interest in correcting the record here and saying that it was Islamic Jihad that fired this this rocket that ended up not taking out a hospital but taking out a parking uh, a parking lot. Um, it's not going to be 500 people. Uh, I think when all is said and done, it'll probably be far less. But regardless, you have now created this conflagration in the Middle East based on this propaganda. And the media is not doing much to retract it. They're just reporting, well, one side says this and one side said says the United States and Israel say this and the rest of and, and the Palestinian Authority and Gaza say that it was Israel. It clearly wasn't. We now have the video footage. We now have independent investigative agencies and intelligence agencies showing it wasn't. Um, And you have Rashida Tlaib, who is a member of Congress, holding a rally today outside of Congress, whipping up sentiment, still saying that Israel attacked a hospital. And now you have – I mean it looks like it's being dispersed right now. You had an occupation of the House that – you know, an illegal occupation of the House of Representatives as well as an attempted effort to breach the gates of the White House – over this, what 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 is Nancy Pelosi saying about what is Hakeem Jeffries saying about these Democratic members that are continuing continuing to um, to spread this lie? Is they haven't heard it? Nancy Pelosi went on record with a reporter Walsh at National Review today saying, "I haven't heard what Rashida Tlaib said." Really? No. Really? Is that the best we can do? 
Not a single one of the Democrats will step forward and say, look, I have sympathy for the Palestinian people uh, and I understand their frustration and I agree with their grievance, but uh, murder uh, as conducted by Hamas is wrong. They won't even say that much. Now, let's step back for just a minute. You started by talking about irresponsibility. Yeah, I would I would to link this backward. I would argue that the greatest irresponsibility displayed in Washington in the last 20 days was the betrayal of the eight Mm -hmm. in their self-centered decision out of personal pique or uh, uh, ambition, desire to be on TV, admiration of uh, Matt Gaetz' ability to uh, uh, make an argument is irresponsibility. Because when you look at it, you said, well, what was the reason? What is their justification? And I laid out that their justification was they claim the nation is threatened by its overspending. I've got a flash. Uh, (laughs) One of the things they might say to us, right now what is and i've had people say to this well congressman you know uh, didn't you have to deal with these issues now don't we have to deal with the budget excesses now and of course that takes you to the phrase if not now when and if not us then who and the answer in this instance is that mr mccarthy was right that this is not the time now is not the time to confront our overspending And therefore, this is not the group of people to do it. And why do I say that? Because at the time Mr. McCarthy made his decision, which they used as the excuse for throwing it out of power, the threat of us overspending was nowhere near the other threats we face. And Mr. McCarthy simply made a judgment call. He said, look at the nation today. We have not tens of thousands, not hundreds of thousands. We have millions of illegals, people who are not citizens of this country and whose motivations we don't know, whose beliefs and dreams we have no clue about, cross the border every day. That creates the potential to change this nation forever. Beyond that, we have a president who by massive overspending, okay, we'll get its overspending, has created inflation, which is destroying or at least damaging the lives of every American. So we're supposed to ignore the border, which threatens the, the shape of the nation and the makeup of the nation forever. We're supposed to ignore inflation. And then on top of that, we have crime in the streets and we have a foreign policy which is so feckless and so awful that it invites not just one war, which he practically said, go ahead. Uh, Biden said, well, a little small uh, incursion. Small incursion wouldn't be that big a deal. So what did Mr. McCarthy do? He said shutting down the government to take care of this, of our overspending, which has gone on now for decades, is not as important to the American people as dealing with these threatening issues. Hold it right there. I want to pick her up right on, uh, right on that very point. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Congressman John Shattuck, my guest, making the distinction between a slow and lumbering bulldozer coming our way versus a knife at our throat. And the knife at our throat is what Kevin McCarthy was worried about and trying to deal with. And others thought it was more important to stop the uh, 
distantly arriving lumbering bulldozer, which we had been talking about for years, obviously, and weren't able to do that much about with the small majority that we had regardless. Uh, So, John, um, here we are with a lot of knives at our throat and no Republican leadership. The eight Republicans who decided to unseat the speaker because they disagreed with him are, in fact, traitors. And I use that word advisedly. The definition of a traitor is a person who betrays a friend, country, or principle. They would say they didn't betray their principles because their principle is we can't spend to oblivion. We can't spend to the point where it destroys a nation. But in a legislative body, you can do nothing to advance any principle, no, how, no matter how honorable or how strong or how important if you're not in the majority and they actually voted to abandon the majority. With a potential Speaker of the House to replace him, now known as Patrick McHenry, which no one knows about and much about, or possibly Hakeem Jeffries. The, says, the definition says a person who betrays a friend. Yeah. Friend is what describes a team member. It's okay for every Republican not to love or deeply admire every other Republican in the Congress. Trust me, I had many I wasn't fond of. But the reality is the unwritten rule and the duty of every Republican in Congress is to be at the end of the day a friend, which means to be loyal. It means not to betray your colleagues. And right now, uh, every member of the Pick your committee, Armed Services Committee, because of the betrayal of the eight, has no power. If he wants to raise the the pay of the military, if he or she wants to uh, increase the armaments they have. Yeah, how about a supplemental to help defend Israel? And on and on. There are responsibilities that need to be carried out, and the eight, by betraying the remainder and giving away the majority— for whatever reason, and in the case of Mr. Gates, it appears to be ego and personal pique. And now those other members of the majority are powerless. They can't help the army. They can't help the Israelis. They can't uh, go after uh, Mr. Putin. They and can't stop the spending either. They can't stop the spending. So they're or fix when, the border. When they would say, I'm a principled conservative. Yeah. Yeah. The answer is you're neither principled nor conservative because conservatives don't give away power and make themselves a great point. A eunuch, completely useless. You and I can do as much uh, to change the policy towards Israel today in Washington as any member of the Republican non-majority. And why? Because of Mr. Gates and the failure of understanding of his seven followers. It's a great point. They blew this up. They need to fix it. Every American should be calling, writing, emailing their offices and getting on TV and demonstrating in front of their offices and saying, you gave away the majority we entrusted you with. You need to fix it. And the reason it's Mr. McCarthy who should be reelected is he's the only guy that's got the votes. And if they put him on the floor tomorrow, he'd be elected tomorrow. And they audit, they owe it to me and to you and to every listener to this show, the eight do 
to do it today. Yeah, and if Mr. Gates point. won't vote vote with them, they can at least understand move forward. And and I'll go one thing one step further and be charitable. The the truth is, I make millions of mistakes every day. Yeah. Everyone does. They made a mistake. The test is not whether you make a mistake. The test is what you do about your mistake. You read my mind. It's it's very easy to point out what the issue is right now. Someone made a mistake. Was it McCarthy or was it Gates and his seven? Someone made a mistake here. And what was the greater one? Clearly, we now know the answer to that. Someone just simply needs to own up to it and let's move on and it'll be forgotten in a week if they own up to it. We are out of power. Our elected representatives are out of power and they can't can't fix, as you pointed out, the even the issue. That the eight right. claim they're there to yeah. fix. Yeah. Their, their ability of the eight to do something about overspending is less today than before they voted to boot Mr. McCarthy. Eunuchs. That's what you said. Turned us into eunuchs. Yep. I'm going to emphasize that. We'll be right back. Well, don't just shrug your shoulders. Someone had someone. That's someone's fault. It's not mine. Yeah, we got to get to the lyrics a little quicker. That's okay. You'll work on that. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. John Shattuck is my guest. John, um, I don't know if things have been as tenuous as they are right now with regard to the Middle East. Uh, there was a report that Iran could be as easy as two weeks away from a nuclear weapon. They don't need a nuclear weapon. Uh, they have the ability to launch uh, any kind of any number of attacks against Israel. Um, you could have Israel very easily in a five front war. Um, they could have Gaza, they could have Lebanon, they could have Syria, they could have the West Bank, and they could have Iran. Uh, this is as tenuous a situation as I could ever possibly imagine. And you have a part of this country that a big part of this country, led by certain fulminations from Democratic members of Congress who are siding against America's friends. Someone was saying yesterday, whatever happened to the notion of the enemy of my enemy is my friend? I said, whatever happened to the notion of the friend of my friend is my friend? Whatever happened to the notion that we side with America's ally here? This this is as clear a case of good versus evil as could possibly be given in an ethics seminar in the eighth grade or the ninth grade or high school. This is as clear a right and wrong as could be possibly given. And yet you have a vocal part of this country that is um, not just on the college campuses, but in the halls of Congress uh, and in the halls of uh, leadership at the White House that is a little bit ambivalent. You had the vice president of the United States at NAU and Flagstaff yesterday who was unwilling to correct a student on the attack, quote-unquote attack, by Israel on the hospital because she was afraid to be booed at at Northern Arizona University. It's not just what's going on at our universities. It's it's what's going on with the Democratic Party. It's not that they're – it's not that they're soft on on tyranny. I think it's that they're soft on democracy. I think that it's that they're soft on America. Uh, One of the – well-known writers on the right recently said the Democratic Party of today hates America, and it seems to be the case. The presumption, and this illustrates it perfectly, is that if America is ever accused of acting wrongly or doing evil or bad, the instant reaction of the Democrat Party 
and of the media is, yes, they're guilty. Yesterday's the perfect example. When the attack on the hospital occurred, the media and the Democrats were immediately willing to say, yep, it's evil Israel and it's evil America pushing evil Israel. Interestingly, as the evidence began to come out as the night wore on that there were drone photos and and as the video they actually showed of the missile exploding and then falling instantly almost straight to the ground the evidence appears to show the exact opposite but what about logic uh do, what what logic would ever motivate israel to intentionally fire at a hospital guess what none and Israel's missiles are accurate. So even when a clear opportunity to present itself to say America did something right or that one of its best allies in the world did something right, they choose not to do that. And it's a dangerous president. Where it is taking this country is unknown. Uh, the and the and the policy under this president doesn't change. He believed before this war started that he could appease Iran into being a friend, and implicitly he could, by appeasing Iran he, uh, into being a friend, he could appease Iran's proxies, uh, Hamas, Hezbollah, and on. It's now been. Demonstrably, demonstrably shown that that view was wrong, and yet the people around him continue the same thing. He's there, uh, and he's not showing strength, uh, but once again showing that uh, he and those of his view running the government. In case, in this case, it may be just them and not him, because we don't know uh, how much of this is he his decisions. Uh, that somehow we can secure peace through weakness or through appeasement. Guess what? History proves that false. And then it, the founding fathers understood by creating multiple branches of government, uh, the three, the executive, the legislative, and the judiciary, that if one or the other demonstrated a weakness, for example, a president who didn't understand that peace comes through strength, that another branch could embolden them or strengthen them or provide a backbone for them. And yet, right now, uh, thanks to eight Republican congressmen, it, the Congress is not serving as his backbone. They are not pushing him to be more certain. They are not pushing him to go to the closest microphone and say it is irrational to believe that this hospital was uh, attacked uh, by our ally, Israel. And in fact, the evidence shows that's not the case. And oh, by the way, Syria, if you do get into this, there will be a tremendous price. That's the only way to hope uh, or to try to achieve uh, some sort of an end to this conflict and uh, a war short of a regional conflict, which could go who knows how far. I was looking at some of your Democratic colleagues when you were in Congress, in the uh, first elected to Congress in the mid-1990s, and I was forgetting how bad some of them – I had forgotten how bad some of them were, your George Millers and those types. It's a different party, even worse now, isn't it, though? Oh, it, it is. It, 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 Very it, it, much so. Joe Biden likes to talk about this not being your father's Republican Party. I think he's wrong. 
all you have to do is read the writings of your dad to understand that today's Republican Party is actually now listening to your dad. Uh, I think uh, that might be an interesting show someday. But today's Democratic Party is not the Democratic Party of the 1970s, 1980s, or 1990s. Absolutely not. Look at uh, uh, look at the composition uh, and the extremes represented uh, on the Democratic side of the aisle, and this is nothing close. And they won't touch them. They won't denounce them. They won't censure them. They won't do anything with them. In fact, Nancy Pelosi will fundraise for them. I intensely disagreed with George Miller, and it was hard mm-hmm. to watch what he did. And I watched, sadly, as President Bush on education yep. worked with George Miller, yep. and we can now see that that did no good at all, and it was, in fact, bad for us. But there were many others uh, of the same ilk, very, very far to the left, but not close. Yeah. Not We take close. them over this crowd. Absolutely, in a heartbeat. Not close to the, fo- to the woke members today who demonstrate, as, as we said, a hatred for America. John Chatter, God bless you. Uh, <laughs> Got to get you back there somehow. <laughs> All right. Thank you for being with us as always. It's good to see you. My right pleasure. Back. Just a little worked up today. <laughs> Deservedly. Portions of this show brought to you by our good friends at Y Refi. They are good friends. They're great friends to investors. They're great friends to our community. They're headquartered here locally. You can visit them. They're on Scottsdale Road in the 101. They invite that. You won't be asked to sign anything. You won't get a sales pitch. They leave that up to me. So what is their sales pitch? They have an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return, and it's not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve. Should you be concerned about stock market volatility, possible recession, inflation, you can get a fixed rate of return up to 10.25%. With Y Refi, it's a portfolio they have where you can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you like, with no loss of principal or penalty. If you need your money back at any time, there are no fees in this collateralized and secure portfolio. Y Refi is a due diligence approved firm, ten point two five percent fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest the letter Y, then R E F Y dot com. Or give them a call at 888-Y-REFI-24, 888-Y-REFI-24. John and I were um, speaking about the vacuum of leadership that the Republicans created. Let us not forget the vacuum of leadership that constitutes the Democratic Party. Joe Biden went to Israel and gave a decent prepared speech over there, uh, but was um, thwarted by everyone else. He was supposed to have meetings with Arab leaders. They all thumbed their noses at him. Why did they thumb their nose at him? Because they all swallowed a piece of propaganda that Israel bombed a hospital, which is being repeated over and over again by Rashida Tlaib and Ilan Omar and the squad. They have not taken down. They have not corrected. In fact, Rashida Tlaib led, a, as I said earlier, demonstration in Washington, D.C. today where she is repeating the lie that her own government has already disabused the world of. The world will not hear about that disabuse because it was far too easy to swallow the lie, which has turned not only the president into uh, a laughingstock amongst the Arabs and Arab nations he was trying to appease, but made Kamala Harris look like the fool again that she didn't need to look like because she does a good job of that on her own here in Flagstaff last night when she couldn't even muster the ability to tell a student that 
that student was just simply misinformed because she thinks their truth, and it's important that their truth be as articulated as the truth. Watch Joe Biden. Just watch him on the airplane flying back from Ramstein earlier today. Watch that video. It's not just that we don't have Republican leadership in the House of Representatives. We don't have it at the White House. We don't have it in the vice presidency. We are a rudderless nation right now at a time when leadership is needed more than ever. Yeah, the echoes of 1979 are coming back pretty hard and pretty fast. Let's hope that the uh, Republican response looks like 1980. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. David, thank you. I'm Seth Liebson. Class is dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.